0: Thank you for letting us be a part of your day today. We are so glad that we get to be here together during our service.
1: Yeah, and and <laughs> to be honest, it's it's fully understandable. Like, it's um so so Jenny, like I think like it. it so it's so easy to come here and put on this like this like super excited <laughs> expression, or but probably the We're average not there. the average person who's going to. T- <laughs> Tune in or show up. <laughs> they're in their kitchen. Their kids are crying, or they're in their car in traffic, or it's hard to show up sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's hard I'm, to show up. It's just hard to show up here today. I'm, yeah. I'm in a hard spot for sure. So. Yeah,
1: and I, I mean, I was, um, I'm thankful to be here, yeah. and I'm thankful to be here um, just because it gives us the opportunity um, to kind of, kind of just create this space and to pause and to think, okay. God's here, he's got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and we're
0: gonna be here in the chat um, if you're watching this during the premiere on YouTube or Facebook, and we'd love to chat with you guys. Um, so yeah, talk to us.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I'm Talk to us here. how your hard yeah. day's going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: we'd love to hear, or if it's a good day, we wanna hear that as well.
1: Yeah, so I'm expectant for our time together. Um, the things that, that God is going to do here, Um, So I'm going to say a prayer for us and for our time um, and go from there. Sound good? Sounds great. God, we thank you for the things that you are doing here. Um, Thank you um, for holding us, for taking care of us, and for creating this space of pause um, that our hearts can be expected in. Bless this time. See our hearts. Encourage us and show us the things that you are doing because you are incredible. In Christ I pray, amen.
2: Hey, Christ community, so glad you are joining us online today. Uh, Raylene and I have been watching a series on Amazon Prime about a young vicar and a police detective who partnered together to solve crimes. We're into like the second season of this. And just the other day, I realize there's something in this show that is is connecting with me um, more deeply than just the mystery side of it. And that is the friendship that's developing between these two very different people in terms of age and theology and personality. There's this camaraderie that's beginning to happen as they experience difficulties in their lives and the other person is kind of there for them. And it, it is striking a chord in my heart, you know, the same chord that gets struck when watching Frodo and Sam in The Lord of the Rings, or when I was watching um, a documentary the other day about D Day and hearing these guys share about the band of brothers' friendships that developed in such a horrible circumstance. I mean, what, what stirs in my heart in these experiences is a universal longing in all of our hearts, a longing for deep and true friendship. We long for close, for close relationships, for, for, for real friendships. And yet, if we're honest, we struggle to experience this. Part of the reason is just the busyness and the pace of life. I mean, even though we long for friendship, we often find ourselves tired, you know, by the, by the evening. Watching another episode of Friends feels more appealing than getting together with friends. And then another challenge with friendship today is the way friendship is often communicated in social media. I mean, we can have hundreds of Facebook friends, and yet many of them we wouldn't recognize if we walked past them on the sidewalk. I mean, in, in the social media world, we sometimes use the language of friendship, but it doesn't really describe the kind of relationships that we long for. So how do we cultivate this vitally important area in our lives. Well, in the passage of scripture we're looking at today in our study of the book of Philippians, we see a window into the Apostle Paul's relational world, and it provides this powerful picture of friendship. I mean, so often we think of Paul as being this theological giant, an amazing church planter, and courageous leader, and all of that's true. But what struck me about the passage that we're looking at today as I was studying it is that Paul had some significant friendships. In his life. and those friendships didn't just happen automatically. Paul lived his life in a way that cultivated deep and meaningful friendships. So let me read this passage from Philippians 2:19 to 30, and then we'll, we'll explore what it can teach us about friendship. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is God's word. Well, in this portion of this letter, Paul describes two really amazing people. Timothy, who he's about to send to the Philippians to provide some spiritual help for them. And Epaphroditus, who was actually a part of the Philippian church. But when Paul was imprisoned in Rome, that church sent Epaphroditus to Rome with some financial resources for Paul, which he mentions in more detail in chapter 4. So in the midst of this passage where Paul is giving some details to the Philippians about why he is sending Timothy and Epaphroditus to them, we see a window into Paul's relational world, and we discover how Paul had such deep friendships. There are four specific heart attitudes that Paul has toward the people in his life that enabled him to enjoy deep friendships. And these same attitudes can help us cultivate this in our lives as well. The first heart attitude is this. I need you. I need you. Paul is not ashamed to admit that he needs other people in his life, that he needs relationship. He needs friendship. He needs help. He talks about how Timothy has served with me in the work of the gospel. He talks about how Epaphroditus is my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. See, Paul is not too macho to admit that he needs people around him. He needs people helping him. He needs people encouraging him and serving alongside of him. He calls Epaphroditus, my brother. See, Paul is not ashamed to admit he needs these close relationships around him. Now, here's why this is so important. When we realize that we need relationships with other people, we are willing to give priority to that. We are willing to make time for people, to build this into our lives, time to be with other people. And the opposite is true as well. When we don't acknowledge our need, when we stuff our feelings of loneliness and dismiss our longing for a relationship and, and we just stay busy, we end up not giving priority to relationships. We end up not making time for this. We basic, we're basically living our lives on the premise that we don't need friendships, but that's not true. We do need them. God has placed this longing within each of us and this has nothing to do with, with being an introvert or an extrovert. This is a core need that we all have, a need to connect with other people in, in a meaningful, deepening way. You see the question is, are we, like Paul, openly acknowledging this need by giving time and priority to relationships, you know, building this into our lives? Or are we letting busyness or whatever keep us from intentionally connecting with others? Now, notice, too, this isn't about waiting for your phone to ring. You know, this is about initiating, reaching out, asking people to hang out, maybe starting a small group or reconvening your small group after the summer or asking someone to play golf or grab coffee or go on a hike or go to a play area with your children or whatever, See, Paul didn't sit back and wait for relationships to fall into his lap. He took the initiative because he knew he needed this. So where and how in your life are you saying to someone else, I need you. I need this connection with you. The second heart posture that Paul has towards others, I value you. I value you. One of the things that is so beautiful And powerful in this passage is how Paul talks about these two friends of his. He is gushing with affirmation. He boasts about how Timothy is so unique in that he puts the interests of other people above his own interests. Paul even says, I have no one else like him who does this. I mean, can you imagine how that felt to Timothy to read or hear the apostle Paul say these words about him? Wow, he has no one else like me. He noticed how I served. I mean, Timothy was probably on cloud nine and was more eager to serve others. And what about Epaphroditus? I mean, this dear brother traveled 600, excuse me, he traveled 800 miles, which would have taken about six weeks in order to be there to help Paul. And then while he was in Rome, he got sick and almost died. I mean, being sick is bad enough, but he was to be sick away from home. I mean, that's just, that's the worst so, notice how Paul writes about this difficult situation. Verse 29, he says, So then, welcome him, Epaphroditus, in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. See? Now, we know from earlier in this passage that Epaphroditus was distressed because the Philippians had heard about him being ill. He probably felt embarrassed that he was struggling with his health and he couldn't help Paul as fully as he wanted to. I mean, here he is feeling frustrated and ashamed. So what does Paul say about him? He says, honor people like this guy. (laughs) Honor people like this guy. He risked his life to come here to Rome. He almost died for the work of Christ. Again, Paul just oozes affirmation and encouragement. He could have just as easily said, you know, I'm sending Epaphroditus back. He, he just couldn't really cut it. I mean, he's a nice guy, you know, but he just doesn't have what it takes. He'd be better off, you know, with you. But no, Paul, Paul viewed people, the people in his life, he viewed them through the lens of value and honor. He looked for things to affirm, and then he freely spoke those things. And in doing so, he poured life into Timothy and to Epaphroditus, And not only that, he raised their level of esteem in that community of faith. I mean, there is nothing like criticism to lower someone's esteem in a group of people. I mean, can you believe he did that? Can you believe she did that or said that? I mean, that pretty soon people, everyone, will start viewing this person negatively because of our criticism of them. But the opposite is also true. When we choose to affirm and honor someone verbally to others, it elevates that person. It elevates them in the eyes of of everyone there. I mean, Paul says, honor people like him. In other words, make this a practice beyond just this one situation. Look for good things in the people around you and speak life into those things. Acknowledge people's strengths and gifts and efforts. So in working on this sermon, I I got to thinking about some of the people in my life who have been good friends to me. And I hadn't ever thought about this before, but one of the characteristics of every one of those friendships is that we are very comfortable saying to each other, I value you. You you are important to me. I love and appreciate you. I mean, it's one thing to have some buddies you hang out with, and, and you tease and talk about golf or fishing or the weather or scrapbooking or Pinterest or whatever. I mean, that, that's great. But deepening friendships are formed when we're able to see the value of this person and we find the courage and the voice to express that to them in some way. That's like pouring miracle grow on our, on our relationships. I mean, the reality is every one of us has the potential for deep, significant friendships all around us. But maybe we just haven't seen them through the lens of value, seen these people through the lens of value and had the courage to express that to them. Well, the third heart posture that Paul had toward his relationships is this. I feel you. I feel you. Paul is not just observing these people from a relational distance. He is emotionally engaged in what they're going through. I mean, his heart has been going through the ringer regarding Epaphroditus' condition. Look again at verse 27. Indeed, he was almost ill. He was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. I mean, you can tell Paul's heart is in this He's not just seeing this through the lens of of how inconvenient it is for him to have to send her paproditus back. No, he is personally feeling the weight of this, the stress, the potential sorrow, the anxiety. See, this is the cost of love. When you get close to people, your heart becomes engaged. You put your heart at risk of feeling. I love how C.S. Lewis um, articulates this in one of his books. He says this of love. He says, there, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little, little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of, hell, of love is hell. Paul was totally fine taking the risk of love, letting his heart be broken. And this includes not only his own feelings, but also being fully in tune with what Epaphroditus was feeling. Look again at verse 26. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because he heard, you heard he was ill. Notice how Paul is describing Epaphroditus' heart. His longing for the Philippians, his being distressed because they heard about his illness. The only way Paul would know this is by spending time with Epaphroditus. Listening to him share his heart. Being in tune with what Epaphroditus was going through. See, if you want to be a good friend, be an empathetic listener. Don't try to fix this person. Make it your goal to try to understand what they're going through and and, and to put yourself in their shoes, to feel what they feel. That one decision on our part can pour life into our marriage, into our friendships, into relationships that have grown distant. Good friends have a posture of, I feel you. Well, let me mention one other heart posture Paul has. I want what's best for you. The whole passage, this whole passage is about Paul's decision. Think about this, to send away two of his dear friends. When Paul is still in prison, he is in significant need in prison. And yet he's talking about sending these people away. See, I love the balance Paul strikes here between a heart posture of, I need you, but also I'm not clinging to you in an unhealthy way. If the best thing for you and for the Philippian church is for you to go to them, then go to them, go for it. I'm not gonna thwart what God wants to do in you just because it's harder for me. See, this is so healthy. Sometimes our relationships can drift into the realm of codependency where it's not just that I enjoy this person and I value their their, their friendship. No, it becomes, I need you. I need you to complete some part of me. I need your friendship in order to feel better about myself. And so we start to cling to this person in an unhealthy way. If for some legitimate reason in their lives, they can't hang out as much, we feel threatened. We're devastated by that. Why? Because we're looking to this person to fill a soul need that ultimately only Jesus can meet. It's in the person of Jesus who died on the cross for us that our, that our ultimate need for acceptance and value and affirmation are met, which actually frees us to truly love people without requiring something in return. Codependency is rooted in fear, a fear of losing this person. But Christ's love frees us from fear. Because we have in Jesus the acceptance that our soul needs. When when, when like Paul, we are passionately in love with Jesus and finding our identity in him, we are freed to cultivate healthy, deepening friendships with people. And you never know who that person will be or how that relationship will impact your life. A few years ago, I... I met a retired biology professor named Joe who had just started attending Christ Community. And we actually met on the driving range at Eaton Country Club. Someone introduced us there. And I was immediately just struck by his gentle spirit. He, he had lots of questions about science and the Bible. And so we started to hang out. And I'd give him some books to read or videos to watch, and, 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 and we'd talk about them. Sometimes we'd go play nine holes and just talk about our families and about life well, Joe had this rare heart condition where his, his heart was literally hooked up to a battery pack outside his body. That was the only thing keeping him alive. Well, we continued to hang out and a, a friendship began to develop. And, and as I think about it now, I realize it, it had all four of the things that we've been talking about. I mean, I initially thought Joe needed me, you know, to help him think about the Bible. But I eventually realized I needed him just as much in my life. His gentle and gracious spirit was a much-needed balance for my intensity. I was also continually impressed by how free he was with affirmation and praise, frequently expressing to me how much he, he appreciated something or he, about me or how much he valued our friendship. And I expressed the same thing to him. He even painted a beautiful painting for me, which hangs in my office he had a way of listening with empathy, and I too appreciated when he would just share with me how challenging his health was in terms of the diet, like absolutely no-salt diet and, he, and that he had to be on and the treatments he was going through and the doctor's appointments and all of that. Well, one day, a mutual friend reached out to me and, and let me know that Joe was in the hospital in Denver not doing well. So I immediately drove down to see him, and it was clear he, w- he was done fighting. He was exhausted from the wear and tear of this condition on his body for these past several years. And he had decided to remove um, this heart machine that was keeping him alive. I tried to talk him out of it um, because I didn't want to lose him, but but ultimately I wanted what was best for him. So, so the next day, he called me an hour before they were going to unplug this machine. And we cried and and we expressed our, our gratitude for our friendship and for each other. I, I told him I was looking forward to playing around a round of golf together when I joined him in heaven. I, I wanted to tell that story just to remind all of us, including myself, that the potential for deep friendships is all around us. It's often just about the posture of our heart. Choosing to give priority to deepening relationships, choosing to value people and to empathize with them, and then seeing what the Holy Spirit does in those relationships. Let's pray together. So I want to I want to invite you into this space of response. To the Lord, to what God is speaking to you. And I want you to just to take a moment as we quiet our hearts, I want you to take a moment and just do an honest inventory of your relational world right now. Are your friendships what you want them to be? Are you connected in community, in a small group or whatever, in the way that you want to be? And if not, what next step is Jesus inviting you to take to be the kind of friend that those around you long for? So maybe it's to recognize your need for relationships and to take the initiative with someone. Maybe that's what God has laid on your heart. Take the initiative, recognize you need this and your life is, is, is missing something without this. Or maybe what the Holy Spirit is saying to you is to to muster up the courage to find it in him, the courage to express to someone in your life how valuable they are to you. And Maybe you've never said anything like that before, you hang out with this person all the time, but just to express that, to let them know how valuable they are. Or, Or maybe it's to grow as a listener and to let your heart feel what another person around you is feeling. As they're sharing something, going through something, you're you're just there for them, growing as a listener, feeling what they feel. Or maybe it's a willingness or a realization that there's maybe codependency going on in something, or maybe it's just a willingness to want what's best for another person in your life, even if it means your relationship may change for a season and you're willing to to do that. So what is the Holy, just take a moment right now, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you and me about our relational world and a next step that he's inviting us to take to deepen our, our friendships? So now, Lord, we just ask you to help us. We, we ask you to help us. Thank you for your word, this example of Paul, and the amazing friendships he had because of his heart posture. And, Lord, we just want to learn from that. We, we want to grow in that. Would you give us the courage to take whatever next steps you're inviting us to take? And I pray for deepening connections and friendships for all of us. We love you, God. Thank you for your friendship with us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for rising from the dead for us. We love you. And we open our hearts now to you, to respond to you, to worship you. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're
3: worthy of every song we could ever sing. Could ever pray worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Come on, let tune our hearts, says, is... In Jesus, the name above every other name, in Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for You. We live. Seen it again, seen worthy.
1: I'm so thankful for our time together and for this space that was created for us.
0: And just talking about a good friend, I, you're a good friend to me.
1: All right, I don't want to be like. Oh no, I'm cheesy.
0: It is cheesy.
1: I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Um,
0: I was. You'd cry though. I won't.
1: Yeah. um, (laughs) um, So Jenny and I have been here on our, our Christ community team since 2003 or four. Four or five. And so it's been a long, long time. Like 15 time. Years. And um, during the, the sermon that Pastor Allen did, did all, all of those qualifications, those things of a good friend, I was thinking that's who, the person you've been to me. And so I want to say thank you. And um, so thanks for being a great friend. Um, I hope to be the same.
0: um. You definitely are the same, so thank you as well. And thank you, Alan, for just such a great time and really bringing those things into light. I think it was good quality. Um, Hey, our time doesn't have to be over. Your response uh, time doesn't have to be over. There's some things uh, that we have. We've got prayer. We also have our text to give, um, and we thank you guys so much for your generosity. We are very appreciative of it, Um, but uh, we would love to still chat with you guys after this, kind of hear how you're processing um, this sermon and this time together.
1: Cool. I'm gonna pray a blessing, uh, and that'll be it for us. So, all right, please accept this blessing. May you have the desire in your heart to be an incredible friend. May God give you incredible friends. May the community that your heart desires surround you, take care of you, and see you. In Christ I pray, in Christ I proclaim, amen.